gentlemen, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer podcast with John Coleman and me, Dustin Owen. I like the way that sounds. Maybe we should have changed the name of that. Ah, you know what? It's still early on, Coleman. It is, uh, it's early on in this process, and uh, crazier things have happened. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Fantastic. I made sure for those viewing on YouTube, I wore my best Easter pastels. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, um, you didn't get the memo. But I, I do see that you're rocking your TPC. A little bit. You know, Masters week was this past weekend. But, you know, I don't have any Masters grub on me. So I decided, you know, this is festive enough. Are you still a little butthurt that you couldn't watch uh, the Masters? I completely forgot it was even going on. No way. I swear. Just like I forgot yesterday was Easter and all the above. Yeah, I was going to forget it was Easter as well, um, but my kids wouldn't let me forget that. I guess no matter the age of your children, they still expect the Easter bunny to come by the house. Yeah. So no Easter Bunny for you? No. Perfect. So here was um, what I had in mind today. So this is the Loan Officer Podcast. So obviously Loan Officer is a mortgage professional. Mortgage professionals help home buyers finance their home purchases. But how many times do people get to listen in on either A, each other's home buyer consultations, pre-approval requests, and more importantly, if you're not a loan officer, this episode is going to be fantastic for you to listen in because you and I are going to role play a pre-approval consultation. I call them home buyer consultations, pre-approval requests, essentially showing the non-mortgage professional, this is what should transpire when you call to inquire about financing for your home. If this type of conversation, and not this exact conversation, but if this type of conversation isn't transpiring Take a deep breath, take a step back, and reevaluate your selection for lenders because this is the type of conversation every home buyer should have when they're trying to obtain financing. And it starts at the pre approval process. This conversation should not be the one that's had once you're under contract because once you're under contract, it's kind of too late. You've signed your name to a contract that's obligating you to X, Y, and Z. And that X, Y, and Z typically comes with a deposit, and that deposit has a comma which means it's in the thousands of dollars, right? And if you are a loan officer, whether you're a rookie LO brand new to the business or whether you're a 20-year seasoned vet who's closing 200-plus transactions a year, I find that there's always something for us to learn. I mean, I walk around the office here at Waterstone Mortgage, and we have about 20 loan officers who work in our local branch. And I pick something up daily. If I just stop and listen enough, the way that that particular loan officer describes that particular question or that particular document, sometimes I'm, I cringe. I'm like, Ooh! which, you know what? People listening today may hear me pre-approve you and they may like go Ooh! and cringe. But I also have a couple aha moments like, mm, man, I never thought of it that way. So I figured what better way for us to spend our time today but to do a, a role play or a mock Home buyer consultation. Are you game for this? Sounds good. Do you have any apprehensions? I do not. None at all. This is, no, this is great. Okay, for the audience, um, would you consider yourself um, an extremely knowledgeable home buyer or pretty much the standard when it comes to your understanding of the, the process? Standard. 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 So, so you have financed and purchased zero to one homes, two to five homes, or five plus homes? Zero to one. Zero to one. Okay, perfect. So you're, you are in that category. Correct. 
Um, so this would be as authentic as possible. Look, I don't need you to give me your actual social and your actual date of birth. And uh, you can even um, you know, use friends or neighbors as your muse when it comes to occupation and pay. But let's try to keep it as real as possible so it flows. Absolutely. All right. So typically a consultation starts by you, the consumer, either calling me or I would have received an email or a text from typically a local realtor or, or local builder, and they asked me to reach out to you okay. um, because somewhere along the lines, you've reached out to them and you're interested in a home that they have for sale. You reach out to me, buddy. You want me to reach out to yeah. you? Okay, perfect. Let me get a sip of water for this one, okay? okay. Oh, geez. All right, here we go. Okay. So ring, 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 ring. Hello. Hey, John. Yeah, this is John. Hey, John, this is Dustin, owner over at Waterstone Mortgage. How are you doing today? Uh, hey, Dustin, good. How about the show? Fantastic. Hey, I'm giving you a buzz because Susan with Berkshire Hathaway told me to give you a call. Perfect. Yeah, I just talked with Susan the other day. Do you have a couple minutes? Yeah, perfect. This is perfect timing. All right, sweet. So I understand that you and your wife, correct? Correct. You and your wife are looking at purchasing a home. And you may even be at a place where you're ready to make an offer. Correct. Yeah. So we've been renting for the past kind of eight years. I've uh, been married for uh, over 10. Um, and kind of really just at the point now where we have a little bit saved up and we kind of want to take that next step. Uh, we looked at a couple of neighborhoods that we like, and I think we kind of looked at a couple of homes. But uh, from here, I really don't know where to go. So that's kind of why I reached out uh, to you. Perfect. Well, I'll be sure to walk you through the process. Um, I'm going to ask you some questions that are that are pertinent to getting you qualified. Other questions are more pertinent to making sure that I do the best job for you. Okay. But before we get rolling, um, out of curiosity, how did you come about Susan over at Berkshire? Well, Susan, actually, um, one of my friends, my, actually my coworkers, um, he recently purchased the house, and I was referred to Susan by him. He's a good friend of mine. I trust him, so kind of here we are right now. Well, he probably already told you this, but let me just echo, any, echo anything he told you. She's phenomenal. I mean, like, one of the best in the business. She specializes in only working with buyers. And I bet she has helped in her career five, 600 people just like you. She's actually one of the few people I would recommend my own friends and family to if they're looking at buying. Nice. So, yeah, you're, you are definitely in good hands. Nice, very cool. Yeah, she was very nice. Uh, the first time we spoke, uh, she spoke highly of you as well. So hopefully we meet someday. And, and obviously you, stand at, at, you understand at this standpoint, for you to move forward, you need to have a pre-approval letter in hand because any seller is going to mandate – that you are legit in order for them to open up their house to let you come tour it, correct? Gotcha, yeah. All right. Um, now, I didn't catch this, but uh, what's your wife's name? My wife's name is Aja. Aja. Okay, so John and Aja. And you all have children or no kids? No kids. Perfect. Uh, not that having kids is perfect or not perfect. I have two kids, and sometimes I'm like, you know what? That's not perfect. But uh, none, nonetheless, it is a question on the questionnaire that I have to ask. Uh, in fact, the questionnaire tells me dependence. Um, now, you guys have gone through the home buying process. Is this your first time? Yeah, literally. We just kind of looked online, uh, took a drive down a couple of neighborhoods. So we know the neighborhood and we know what kind of home. We have a couple of ideal homes, but kind of uh, we really don't know where to go from there. Okay, perfect. So what you need to understand is that in today's day and age, even with credit standards tightening compared to where they were, there's a great chance I'm going to be able to qualify you for more home than you want to afford. So instead of us working towards how much do John and Aja qualify for, what I want to do is look at this from a budgeting standpoint, right? So I'm going to ask you questions like, and I'm going to do it right now. How much are you all allocating to go towards your monthly payment? And when I say allocating, like if this was rent, how much would you be comfortable paying? And I also want you to understand that unlike with rent, when you own, it's not just the principal and interest that you have to make as part of your payment. There's also going to be things like real estate taxes, 
homeowners insurance, and in certain neighborhoods, there's going to be homeowners association dues. I call that the whole kit and caboodle, right? The whole shabam. What is it that you guys are comfortable paying? Because ultimately what we're going to do is we're going to marry that comfort monthly payment to a sales price, right? That's what I want to be able to accomplish with you before you hang up the phone is that we understand how we're going to marry your comfort monthly payment to a sales price. So ballpark within 50 to a hundred bucks, what is your comfort monthly payment? Uh, I would say somewhere around 1800 to maybe 1950. Okay, cool. So under two grand. So under $2,000 a month. Um, and then how much money have you all allocated to go towards a transaction? And if you notice, I use the word allocate on purpose because you may have a bunch of money saved, but it might not make sense for you to use all of it for your down payment and closing costs. So when you look at the money you do have saved, how much have you earmarked or allocated to go towards the transaction? I would say right now about 25000 I would say we could part ways with and still have some Okay, and then if you use that full $25,000, approximately how much would you have left over? I would say about eight. Okay. Yeah, and the reason why I ask is, look, it's always a good rule of thumb at a minimum to have about three months of your lifestyle in a reserve account. Now, you may have that in a 401k. You may have that in some stocks or some other assets that we haven't, we haven't dipped into yet. But it's as a rule of thumb, you always want to make sure you have at least that. Would you say, does that need to be liquid or... Personally, the way that I've learned it is liquid. Yep, yeah, it sits in a in a in a savings account. Um, but you know, to each their own. And I'm not a financial advisor, so I always recommend that if you don't have one, go find one. If you need a recommendation to one, I can probably give you a recommendation to a couple. Um, and then also, the reason why I ask about the the money you have allocated is, would you agree or disagree that ten thousand dollars is a lot of money? Okay, cool. So what I'm going to teach you today is that ten thousand dollars, although it's a lot of money, if you're looking at it as additional down payment, it only lowers your payment by about 50 bucks a month. So I may come up with some recommendations that you don't even use the full 25,000 that you use less only as a way to keep more money sitting on the sideline. Right. But that's, we're not there yet. That's probably more step two or even step three. Right now we're just trying to figure out how much you would qualify for before we go pulling your credit. Um, Also, when I talk about the amount of money that you have set aside or allocated, what I'm getting at is that's going to be down payment plus closing costs. Are you familiar at all with what closing costs are? Uh, A little bit. I think it's just another expense I have to shell out once I record it with you. Uh, Correct. Yep. So when when you go to buy a house, the down payment's pretty easy, right? Because if you purchased a car, you've had to have down payment. Heck, even when you rent an apartment, they have to have some kind of money down first month, last month, security deposit. Um, so down payments, down payment, but your closing costs are things like fees to the title company, fees to the state of Florida, fees to the appraiser, fees to the survey company. You're going to end up paying for a full year of homeowner's insurance at closing. That could be anywhere between $1,000 to $2,000, depending on the home that you buy. And you're also going to set aside some money for future real estate um, tax payments. Then your loan program may or may not come with lender fees. That's going to be your choice. Uh, my team and I are always going to give you three options. It doesn't matter to us if you pay no lender fees, if you pay extra lender fees in order to get a lower rate. We go over that during the interest rate lock strategy portion. Again, that's probably closer to step three than right now we're in step one. Okay, gotcha. But as a rule of thumb, you're going to find that your closing cost in the sales price range that I'm guessing you're going to be looking to purchase in in order to keep your payment somewhere between $1,800 and $2,000 a month you're going to be sitting somewhere around eight grand. Okay, so you're gonna be down payment plus eight. Plus, so eight grand is my, around my closing 
The, correct. Your total closing costs and prepaid expenses on, on the purchase price that you're going to be looking to purchase in is going to be somewhere around $8,000. Okay. okay. Now, you may be able to negotiate with the seller to pay that $8,000. You may not. That's a conversation for you and Susan to have. I will tell you in today's market, it's a seller's market. Now, I'm not a realtor. Never have been, never want to be, never plan to be. I joke about this, but I sometimes get lost driving home. So you don't even want me out driving you around town because we'll get nowhere fast. Yeah. But So I tell you to lean on Susan for her expertise because that's what she does and she does it really well. But she'll probably tell you it's difficult to get sellers to pay closing costs in today's market. So yeah, I, I hear that sometimes, you know, we'll pay your closing costs, no closing costs. Can you explain that to me? Because some people... Yeah, it, it's, it's a marketing strategy. How about this? How about if I gave you an opportunity, you could buy a house today that was worth $300,000. And if you paid me the full $300,000 to incentivize you to pay me full price, I'm going to pay $8,000 towards your closing costs. Or... You could say, I don't want you to pay my closing costs. Sell me that house for $292,000. Oh, so they just have like inflate the price kind of No, because the home's worth three hundred. Okay. Right? We we established the home was worth three hundred. It's just a matter of do you want to pay a hundred percent of of the home's appraised value or do you want to pay ninety-seven point five percent of the home's value? If you bought the home, and by the way, there's some some rough numbers, but just to give us an idea, if you wanted to pay two ninety-two you could pay two ninety two, pay your own closing costs, and you just bought a three hundred thousand dollar home for two hundred ninety two thousand dollars. Or, you could have purchased that same three hundred thousand dollar house. You paid three hundred thousand dollars for it, but the seller gave you an eight thousand dollar closing cost credit. So then I could like use that to buy a new fridge or something. You could you could use that to buy new appliances one hundred percent. Or you could realize that only having eight thousand dollars left over after closing as a reserve fund wasn't enough. So now you have $16,000 because I've already shared with you that $10,000 equals how much per month? 1800. Nope. So 10 grand equals 50. Oh, okay. Yeah. For every, yep. 10 grand equals 50. Uh, and that's always something great. If you have a piece of paper handy, go ahead and write down 10 K equals five, zero 10 K equals 50. Okay. Because look, when you and I just start looking at a house, okay. And you're going to get to this point. If 10 K equals 50, that means one grand is only five dollars. Right, so well, hold on. What if you go find a house and you're you guys are just hell bent that you're only going to pay two ninety two, but the seller man he wants two ninety four. You're not willing. You you're too competitive. You're not willing to give in to that seller. You're not you're not budging off of two ninety two. But man, your wife loves this house. I mean, well, let me ask you a question: Is getting into a knockdown drag out? argument with your spouse worth 10 bucks a month? I would say no. Because that's how you should look at it. It's $10 a month. 10K equals 50. So 1K equals five. Okay. So when we're back on, on why you would want to pay $300,000 for a house in order to get $8,000 in closing costs, because you may realize that that eight grand is only going to make your mortgage payment 40 bucks more a month. Gotcha. And how are you just out of curiosity? Do you sleep better at night having eight grand in your savings account or having your housing payment be 40 bucks cheaper per month? Eight grand in my savings account? Yeah. I mean, there, there really is no wrong or right, but I'm with you. I, I sleep better at night knowing that I have that extra $8,000. So, so here's what we know. We know you want to keep your payment between 18 and, and, and 2000. What I don't know is what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a marketing assistant. 
Okay, perfect. Is that a salary job? Okay, salary, W-2. Okay, do you get any commissions, bonuses? Uh, no, just straight salary. Just straight salary. And the reason why I ask that is um, just as an FYI to you, because maybe some of your friends or coworkers are this way, there's different underwriting criteria. So your income is probably one of the easiest incomes to document. Because part of the process is I have to document your income. Okay. There's a little acronym we, we use in mortgage finance, and the acronym is called PAIL, P-A-I-L. We're going to look at the property. We're going to look at your assets. We're going to look at your income. In your liabilities. We figure out your liabilities by your credit report. Your income, we document by getting things like your W-2 and your pay stub. Your assets, that's where we ask you for your bank statements. The property, we normally um, get property information through an appraisal. So we're not there yet. But just as just a little food for thought, the reason why I'm going to ask some of these questions is because I need to determine not only do I, how do I marry a comfort payment to a sales price, but the type of property you're looking to buy, um, wh where the money for down payment is coming from, and how am I going to qualify you? Yeah, Susan said you'd be asking a lot of questions, so I was prepared. Perfect. Okay. So, so you're W-2, you're salaried, and your annual salary is how much? Sixty-five. So you're at $65,000 per year. And how long have you been with your employer? Uh, four years. Now, quick question. Now, yes. Do you just need my salary, or what about what my wife makes? Is that, do we combine that? How does that? Well, so ultimately, what we're going to look to do is qualify you all both in, uh, with, with both of you on the loan application. Okay. Now, if need be, we can do a loan in just one person's name while still putting the other person on the contract and also on the title. Okay. We would do that for qualification purposes. Okay. Um, a, a good example of why we would do that is if one person's credit was superior to the other person's credit, then uh, we would want to go with the person who has superior credit, assuming their income was enough to carry that payment. Okay. Now, if we need her income to qualify, then we need her income to qualify. Okay. Now, what, is, what does she do for a living? Uh, she's a... Uh Okay, and is that a salaried or hourly position? Salaried as well. Salaried as well. Okay, and her annual salary? Uh, 55. Okay, so you're at 65 plus 55, so you're at $120,000 a year, $10,000 a month. Yeah. So, hey, just food for thought. Without me even getting into your, into your debts, I'm thinking with my eyes closed, I could probably qualify you guys for like a $3,000 a month payment. No. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's what, when I said earlier, like, hey, by the way, I'll probably be able to qualify you for more home than you're looking to afford. We're not going to focus on how much can you qualify for, but we're going to focus on what sales price, what loan structuring scenario makes the most sense to help you purchase the home that you want and also stay within budget. Okay. That's okay. Um, so, and how long has she been with her employer for? Oh, wow. Okay. Perfect. Um, so we're good there. And the reason why we're good there is because I have to document where you've been working the past two years. Okay. okay. Now, when it comes to your credit, how would you rate your credit and her credit? Oh, great. I, I think I'm at 805 and she's low eights as well. Okay. Out of curiosity, you say 805, low eights. Where are you pulling that from? Uh, when I sign into my Capital One, they give me a free little Experian kind of thing. Like cool. Yeah. So th that tells you you have really good credit. Now, just FYI, I probably won't pull scores that high. And the reason why I won't pull scores that high is because there's three repositories. There's Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. And then there's like another half a dozen to a dozen scoring models, really? right? Yeah, there's a different credit score you have for a car loan that you have for a credit card that you'd get for a mortgage. Hmm. Yep. So, you know, you start doing just those three times three repositories. There's nine different credit scores you could have at, at any given time. We very rarely see 800 credit scores in the mortgage finance arena. But I know my buddies in the auto finance, they see 800s way more frequently than we do. No 
But I'll tell you, anything over a 760, man, you're solid. I make a small joke out of it. You could finance a small nuclear war as long as your credit score is over 760. Okay, cool. And whether you're 760 or you're 790, it's not going to matter. Okay. Right? 760 to us is A+. There's no such thing as A++. Right? At least not in the bulk of the loan programs that we're looking to originate funding close for you. Your, your conventional 30-year fixed mortgage, your VA mortgages, your FHA mortgages, those loan programs, once you're over 760, okay. it's going to be all well and good. Now, how about monthly debts, um, car loans, student loans, credit cards? Wh what are you all looking at? Uh, my car is paid for. She has about 4000 left on her car, so uh, that's really it. No, no student debt um, and just kind of like just utilities is all we have. Okay. Now, when you said 4000 left, what's her monthly payment? I want to say it varies. I mean, some days, I mean, sometimes she could, I think the minimum is like 300, 323. Okay. She pays well more than that. Yep. But for qualification purposes, we only have to use the minimum. Okay. Right? So same thing for a credit card. If you had $2,000 on a credit card, you may, and hopefully you do pay four, five, six hundred a month. But if the minimum's a hundred, I only have to use the minimum. Gotcha. Um, that's how your debt income ratio is calculated. Because believe it or not, it's not all about credit score. Like you could have an 800 credit score and a million dollars in the bank. But if you don't have a job, we can't do a loan for you. Really? Yeah. There's very few loan programs. I mean, there's some real creative financing that allows you to do what, what's called uh, asset depletion. Mm -hmm. Just know we do so few of those. Um, but yes, it's it's your debt to income ratio is going to matter to us as much as the condition of the property that we're going to uh, uh, sign off on or approve, as does your credit score. I did not know that. Yep. So um, you know, speaking of which. You're looking at only single-family homes, or are you looking at condos and townhomes as well? Not just single-family. Uh, about, I would say, something with a decent-sized kind of front yard acreage um, away from a subdivision. Awesome. Yep. Um, I'll be sure to reiterate that to Susan. But if you remember, I get lost driving home. <laughs> um, I do know of one neighborhood that uh, has like five-acre plots, but I think those homes are going for a million two, a million five. Oh, okay. So it might be a little bit out of your price range right now. Um, but no, the reason why I ask is because certain property types are more difficult to finance. So if you're looking to buy a condo, just FYI only, condos are a little bit more difficult to finance than a single family home. Really? Yep. The reason why is because when you buy a condo and we're financing one, you only own the air that is held inside of your unit, right? There's a condo association that has ownership of the building. And because of that, that condo association has a lot of responsibility in terms of keeping the, the property uh, maintained, insured, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a whole approval process to just get a condo association approved as it, as it would be getting you the individual approved for financing. Oh, okay. um, condo financing is way easier today in 2020 than it was in 2010. Um, but it still is a tad bit more difficult than uh, when you finance a single family home. Because when you finance a single family home or I finance a single family home, we don't have to dig into the association because you will own the land as well as the building, as well as the air. Gotcha. So as long as you qualify, as long as a home appraises, as long as we have decent title work, then life's all good. Okay. So here's what I know. I know that um, 1800 to $2,000, you're probably going to be looking at about a uh, three hundred dollars to $325,000 purchase price. You're going to put 5% down. So 5% is going to be $15,000 to $17,500, $18,000 to be your down payment. If you're unable to get the seller to pay all your closing costs, 
Perfect. You have enough money because you told me you had $25,000 earmarked. That'll allow you to, when we look at principal, interest, taxes, insurance, PMI, and potential HOA dues, keep your payment between $1,800 and $2,000 a month. Now, I just threw at you a term that you may or may not have heard, and that was PMI. Yeah. Do you know what PMI is? Uh, not in this Okay, PMI stands for private mortgage insurance. Anytime you're not putting 20% down, you have to pay for an insurance policy that protects lenders and banks, companies like Waterstone, against you going into default. Meaning, if you quit paying us, there's a company out there that states if we did our job right in terms of underwriting you, they are going to pay us part of our losses for you going into foreclosure. Basically, if you're not putting 20% down, you pay PMI. That's always a rule of thumb. Is it better to try to put down more than 20% so I don't have the insurance, or is it? Um, we, yes and no. If you have the money, sure. But very few people actually have the money. Yeah, that's a lot. And, and if it means um, bastardizing your, your retirement savings or, or um, changing something about your overall financial picture, then no. It's very common for people to pay private mortgage insurance. And depending on where your credit score actually comes in and depending on how things price out, my team will be able to show you options where you can actually avoid paying private mortgage insurance. There are loan options out there where you can put your 5% down and, and there's even loan options you can put 3% down and avoid paying PMI. There's never going to be a wrong or right. There's always going to be a personal preference. What you'll find most times is that the loans that don't have PMI will come with a higher interest rate. And a higher interest rate on the surface may sound what to you, good or bad? Bad. Okay, but what's more important, a lower monthly payment or a higher monthly payment? Lower, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So it's possible in many many situations where you can obtain a loan that's still a 30-year fixed loan that has a higher interest rate, but because it has no monthly mortgage insurance, your monthly payment will actually be lower. Or you can choose an option that has a lower interest rate and you pay monthly PMI because something good about PMI is once you've built up enough equity in your home, you can have that PMI removed. That's what I was going to ask you. Do I have, in the insurance, do I have to have it for the entirety of the loan or does it have a lower rate? It depends on the loan product, but right now I'm thinking we're going to do a conventional loan for you and not an FHA loan. So because we're going to be doing a conventional loan, the PMI on a conventional loan does have the ability to be removed, okay. either by you paying down your loan, by your home appreciating, having your home reappraised. There's several ways you can go about getting your PMI removed. And later down the road, it's something I can definitely help you with. And my team and I can, can send you some literature on. Okay. Um, but that kind of leads me into my last question, which is, have you and your wife given any thought to how long you're going to own this home for? I'd like to say 10 plus years. I'd like to say forever, but you know, you can't really say that, but I would say, you know, for quite a while. Okay. And the reason why I asked that is that's going to help us tailor make this financing to best match your financial needs, wants, and goals, right? If you're telling me that, Hey, this is a five-year house, that this is our starter house. Um, I'm up for a couple of promotions. We may move to Atlanta or Charleston or Dallas, or we're thinking about starting a family. And if that happens, we're going to want to be in a different school district, et cetera, et cetera. We may choose a loan program that is the best for you for the next five to seven years. Now, if you're telling me, Dustin, we're a little bit older in life, although we're first-time home buyers, we're not going to have kids, and we know exactly where we want to live 
and this is where we want to go ahead and, and, and lay our foundation and plant our roots, then we'll look at some financing options that are more long-term. And that comes into play with the, the question regarding mortgage insurance. Somebody who's going to own a home for a long period of time, seven plus years, 10 plus years, they may opt to go with the lower interest rate that comes with monthly mortgage insurance because although the payment's going to be higher, it's only going to be higher for the first, let's say, three to four years. Eventually, you hope to get that PMI removed, at which point your mortgage payment is going to be lower for the next however many years you have this home. But something I always want you to, to consider is a bird in the hand is worth more than Two in the bush. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Bird in the hands worth, worth, is, is, is worth more than two in the bush. Meaning the guaranteed is sometimes better or a lot of times better than the unknown. And I'm just going to tell you statistically, every seven to nine years, it used to be five years, by the way, but with rates being so low um, and some of the, the consumer behavioral changes since the Great Recession of 2007-2008, we're finding people stay in their homes and they stay in their loans a little bit longer. But statistically speaking, every seven, eight years, I think nine's pushing it, let's call it seven to eight years, you are going to obtain a new loan. You're either going to pay this one off because you get a mortgage refinance. You're going to pay this one off because you're that good, fiscally speaking, that you just paid it off early, or you're going to pay it off because you're, you're moving somewhere else. So just keep that in mind whenever you're making a decision. And you may keep this home as a rental property. Have you, have you considered that? Would this be a home that even if you didn't live in it in five years, you would still have the mortgage because you want to keep this home to rent? Uh, perhaps. I don't think we really thought of it like that. We just kind of want to get into the first home and just, just kind of start there. Okay, very good. Well, I'm going to leave you with this. There's two things we haven't discussed today. Interest rate and the next steps. Okay. So interest rates in about 90 seconds. Here's what I can tell you about interest rates. They go up, they go down, they stay the same. Only one of those is bad. Uh, just give me the lowest one you can. You would hope so. But do you want the lowest rate or do you want the best loan program? There's a difference? The, the, no, 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 there, there's a big difference. I can get you a super cheap rate and maybe an FHA loan, but the FHA loan has super high mortgage insurance and that mortgage insurance is forever. Now, an FHA loan is a great loan program for a lot of people, but I think for your scenario, and, and I'll show you these examples, but if you just wanted the cheapest rate, the cheapest rate might come with the highest monthly payment, and it might not be the best long-term solution. Really? Yep. But no, know this about interest rates. They change daily. In fact, they change hourly. A mortgage rate is nothing more than a bond. So just like you can turn on the news and see the, the stock market go up and down in, in pricing, the bond market is going up and down in pricing. When bond prices go up, interest rates go down. When bond prices go down, rates go up. You and I cannot predict which direction the stock market's going to go, nor the bond market. If we did, we wouldn't be hanging out talking today. We'd be living on our yacht in Fiji, right? And you'd be paying cash for that multi-million dollar house. Actually, you might not. You, you might actually choose to still leverage yourself and obtain some kind of a good debt like a mortgage. But nonetheless... Know that interest rates change on a daily basis. Know that the difference between 3.5 and 3.625 is a whopping $25 a month on your purchase price. Okay, as a homeowner, you should be more concerned with what your real estate taxes and your, and your uh, homeowner's insurance is going to do because that'll have a greater impact on your monthly payment. You should have uh, a better understanding of how much homeowner's association dues 
factor into your monthly payment because homeowners association dues can be zero dollars in one neighborhood and 125 dollars a month in the next neighborhood yeah we, we saw that some of the homeowner some of the fees are more than my college rent yeah yeah so, so those are things that, that you should concern yourself with what you need to know about about my team and i we're going to monitor the market for you we're going to give you the most up-to-date advice as to what is transpiring we're going to give you loan options so we're going to give you three options we'll give you an option where your closing costs are higher or your closing costs are lower, but the correlation is with a higher or lower interest rate. We're going to show you options with no monthly mortgage insurance. Just because you brought it up, I'll show you a super cheap interest rate option and let you decide whether or not that makes sense for you. Because to us, it doesn't matter which option you choose as long as we knew we put the best options in front of you. Right, because you and your wife are going to choose what's best for you. What helps you sleep best at night? Okay, if I do that, I know that I'm being a good partner to Susan. I'm a lender she can rely on, and quite honestly, John, I'm hopeful that you're going to tell your neighbors and your coworkers to reach out to my team and I anytime they need they need, they need a mortgage. No, for sure, this, this is great. I learned a lot. In fact, can can I count on you for that? Like right now, your reticular activator is turned on, meaning you're the most in tune to other people who are buying homes or needing a mortgage. Can I count on you to don't keep my team and I a secret? And when you hear someone talking about getting a mortgage, you give them my name and number? Absolutely. Thank you, man. I totally, totally appreciate it. So here's it. Besides me answering any questions you may have, the next step is I need to schedule either a time for my assistant to give you a call to take some information over the phone and to start gathering things like pay stubs, W-2s, or tax returns. Or if you'd prefer, you can go on my website tonight, DustinOwen.com, click the Apply Now button, It'll walk you through the prompts. It'll take you about 15, 20 minutes. And by tomorrow, once you have everything over to me, we'll get you uh, pre-approved so you can start making offers on homes. Wow, that's it? That's it. Well, I can answer any questions you may have, but I think I've spent a lot of time walking you through the process. And hopefully I answered some questions you already had, maybe even brought up some ideas that you didn't even know yeah. were available. But do you have any last-minute questions? Okay. Question. Say, how, how long? Because you know my wife is really eager to try to kind of get this home, and you know she thinks I can just go knock on a couple doors and kind of we'll move in next week. Uh, when do you think, if I qualify, everything goes through? Uh, when should I be able to kind of make an offer on the home and kind of get the money to buy the house? If you're able to do your credit application with us, whether it's online or over the phone, and get us things like pay stubs, W twos, and your bank statement, we'll have you pre-approved within a couple hours. No way. Yeah, a couple hours. You can go out looking. Your pre-approval is going to be good for about 90 days. Even after 90 days, all I have to do is update some information, right? Update that you're still working at the job that you're working and your credit's still in good standing. And once your offer is, is, is accepted, um, we can get you closed as quick as three weeks. You shouldn't need to close any quicker than three weeks. If you do, give me a call. There's a good chance we'll be able to do it in, in less than three weeks. Most contracts are written for 30 days. And uh, something that we don't mind doing for you, that if it makes sense for you and Susan, if you need us to call the, they're called listing agents, but the seller's representative, when you're making your offer to introduce ourselves and to make to answer any questions, we'd be more than happy to do that. We do that, especially when you're in a competitive situation where maybe you're offering two others. We want to reach out to the lender, to the seller and the seller's representative to let them know that we're here, we're local, we've done our due diligence and your offer's as good as cash. Because I want to advocate for you to make sure you and your wife get the home that you want, not 1B or 1C, because maybe you're outbid on 1A. Now, please, Lucas, you, gosh, you're all my ass. 
<laughs> I get it. I get it. I, um, yeah, I share this with you. I, uh, bought a house. It seems like just yesterday it was nine years ago, but you know, nine years ago, I was five, six, seven years into my mortgage career. You would think I had like a firm grip on everything. I joke about it, but literally my wife and I needed like two years of marriage counseling just because we bought one house together. And that's coming from someone who does this for a living. I can only imagine what it's like for you all. And, and I say that in jest because, no, we did not need to go to marriage counseling because we bought a house together, right? But it's stressful. And know that that's okay and know that that's why we're here. We're here. Your realtor Susan's here so that when you have those freak out moments, you pick up the phone, you call us, and just kind of let us speak some ease into it. We'll hold your hand as much as you want it held all the way to the finish line. Thanks, thanks, Dustin. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I, I got to go. My wife is, again, calling me to duty. But, uh, no, this has been great. Um, I, I'll probably go on the website and schedule, uh, not a schedule, uh, I'll fly online. Perfect. Well, I'm going to give Susan a call, thank her again, uh, let her know that you and I spoke. I'll be on the lookout for uh, the online application to come over. Hey, and if I don't get it tomorrow, you mind if I follow up with you then in two days? No, please do. Okay, then I'll, I'll follow up. Remember, my team will follow up with you, and uh, we look forward to helping you out during your journey. All right, appreciate it, Dustin. Talk soon. All right, take care, John. Bye-bye. And that's it, guys. Like that right there is 100% the way that a mortgage pre-approval or home buyer consultation should go from a financing side of things. Obviously, each buyer is going to bring their own flavor, their own element, right? We're, we're all in a positive way. We're all snowflakes, not like, oh, millennials are snowflakes, but, you know, snowflakes are, are, are each unique. Um, and, and every home buyer is unique. Not everyone is the same. Um, I think you were more nervous doing that than I was. No, 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 but you crushed it, though. It was good. Yeah, was it helpful for you? No, absolutely, yeah. Was, just going through the steps, even though it was kind of a role-playing, it really kind of showed me um, you really need to trust your lender. It's like a personal thing. You really can't just go to any kind of Joe Schmo and be like, hey, give me some money because you're asking some like personal questions. You hopefully want to have a relationship. Yeah, so well, it's, and, and it's a consultative advice-given process. It is not... Give me your info, plug it into a computer, the computer spits out a, a, an approval. That's literally what I thought it was. But it's really well, that's what so many people think. And that was kind of the point of this is when I started to conceptualize it, I first thought, you know, man, this would be great for our rookie loan officers. Because here at Waterstone, we bring on uh, half a dozen rookies a year and we teach them the business. We typically bring them in from uh, other parts of the industry, whether it's life insurance, homeowners insurance, um, financial sales, banking, um, auto sales. And I'm like, well, this would be good for them to go back on. But then I started thinking of myself. I'm like, wait a minute. I still love to hear Mike Smalley, one of the top loan originators at Waterstone, do a pre-approval. Like, I learn a lot listening to Mike. Or I walked by Tom's office the other day. Tom's been in the business for 20 years. And the way Tom explained something, I was like, oh, I got it. So I was like, okay, well, it's good for rookies. It's good for experienced people. Wait a minute. How about we show anyone who hasn't had this type of experience and you're a home buyer? If this is not the experience that you're having, there's a good chance you need to rethink your mortgage provider because, and not just at Waterstone, right? I, look, I love Waterstone. I'm pro Waterstone. I drink the blue Kool-Aid. But other mortgage companies have top originators who give this type of consultative service. Seek this type of service if you're a home buyer to make sure that you are being taken care of properly. Um, but that's that's all I have for today. I think we're probably up on time anyhow. Um, I'm Dustin Owen. He's John Coleman. You're listening to the Loan Officer Podcast. You can reach me at 
Owen at waterstonemortgage.com. You can call me at 407-645-6363. DustinOwen.com, The Loan Officer Podcast on Facebook. Hey, the Loan Officer Podcast uh, on Instagram. Keep going. Jeez. Uh, hey. And uh, the internet. Yeah. Google John Coleman. Every week. Peace. Peace.